Welcome back to the For All Mankind podcast from The Incomparable and TV. I'm Jason Snell, uh, reaching uh, reaching out across the... Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm under the under the wooden door that's locked with a uh, a guard outside. It's uh, my Russian colleague Dan Morin. Hello, Dobry uh, Dean, Jason. I'll car I've carved my name in the door or something. Ah, maybe I'll do that. I could I could read those names. Um, that good for you. I couldn't because no. <laughs> they are in uh, in Cyrillic. This episode. This is episode seven of season two for all mankind. Don't be cruel. So much. Mm. happens in this episode in Big fact episode. so the, my my notes are enormous so much happens in this episode and then the part that i really enjoyed about how eventful this episode is is i noticed that the whole thing with with the exception of one brief kind of reaction shot the whole thing takes place on earth mm-hmm. this show about space there's no space stuff <laughs> And you get through the whole episode, and it feels like a complete episode with an ending. And then at the end, it's like, oh, meanwhile, on the moon, (laughs) and a whole other dramatic thing happens on the moon where we haven't been the whole episode. Yeah, like I I turned to my wife, and we're like, I I turned to my wife at that point, and was like, oh, remember this show takes place in space? (laughs) So, just jam packed i feel i feel the season building dan i feel the crescendo coming oh, here yeah. as we reach There's the last of... episodes of the season there's just it, a... it's interesting too in the pacing because it definitely feels like there were things that could have been little in another show a show that was perhaps more of a like an action adventure show sure. right some of these some of these things would be small data points on the way to a bigger conflict and here what seems small is actually like center stage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There, this is this show is about the characters, right? And and most good works of fiction are about the characters, right? That we're human beings, we invest in people. There are analogs, or we know people like them. Like great stories are about great characters, and yeah, you need cool special effects and action, excitement, and all that is true. But like, you can't really have drama without characters, right? I know that there are certain movies that try, <laughs> certain yeah. action movie franchises probably try that, but. You know, you need them. And so this show, this episode is a great example of that, where until we get Meanwhile on the Moon at the end, like, this is about space and it's about an alternate timeline, but it's also about these people, including some people we haven't seen before, um, because I got a, I got another really great kind of a Soviet moment in the scenes that we get in Star City. But, like, it's about people. And so this episode is about Ellen, and uh, the the complications of her life, and it's about Danny, and it's about Alita and Margot and Kelly, mm-hmm. and it's uh, and it's about Karen in the worst way possible. Oh my so, gosh! And it's about I mean it, it it's about these these characters, and in this episode, mostly these women. Yeah, I was noticing, you know, part of the way through at some point, there's a brief shot with uh, Ed and Gordo in it, but they don't even get a line. And in fact, I don't think either of them has a line in this entire episode. I think they're in one shot and that's about it. Does this not episode not pass the reverse Bechdel test? <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think... <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I think it shows... So, so I've been loving this season. I think yeah. this season is 
it, it's not just exciting and good, but like there are moments where I'm like, I think this show is masterfully, and I, I'm using that term very seriously, masterfully assembled in terms of not only the crescendo that we seem to be getting to here, but in the way that these characters are put together and they're taken seriously and they're given, um, you know, it, it, I don't know. They feel, they feel real and they feel like they earn the moments they get in a way that I think a lot of other shows, as you sort of uh, said earlier, would just kind of brush past it on the way to the next plot point. Yeah, no, it's definitely character focused. And I think there's a lot of moments in here where, characters characters take the forefront in important ways right like even if there's something happening to a character that is a huge like plot point um you know i think sometimes there's there's resonance beyond that and i'm thinking particularly of a (laughs) a particular character's fate in the opening minutes of this episode which could have been kind of a you know like ah ah well you know that happened um and instead I think because of the time that we spent with that character over the course of the season, there's resonance there. Right. There's a lot of resonance there. And a lot of like the ripples that come outward from that are incredibly moving and significant for the plot of the show. So you're 10 years younger than I am. I was born in 1970. And I wanted to ask you, because I have a moment. There is a moment early on where... Uh, Mar- where what is it? Uh, Ellen can't go to Korea with Administrator Payne because she just gets a phone call and her father has a has had a heart attack, and so she's got to go be with him, and she's not going to go on the flight with Payne, and he's going to go alone on the flight to Korea. And I, I had a moment where I re- I literally was like, oh God, it's K A L O O seven. Do you remember or do you know about KALO7? Do you know about this event? Because this is real, folks. This is real. Yeah, and I did know about it, but it was something that really... I I could not remember why. And definitely something that I remembered, like, as I pulled up the Wikipedia page on it, I was like, I was reading this not that long ago, and I cannot remember what context it was. It might have been a trivia thing or something like that, but it had definitely come up. Uh, or maybe I was just doing one of those days where you're like looking through Wikipedia and sure. you're clicking through stuff and you're like, oh, what is this? Right. And um, I had read about this. And so it took me a second. Like he's on the plane. And like, even if you don't know about it, that scene is extremely like <laughs> it's like plot hook theater a little bit where you're like, it's weird that he's having this conversation with Margo. And it seems like we're got like it's kind of ominous and strange and you kind of mm-hmm. have this bad feeling about it. And then. When you get the scene where it pans back and shows you the Soviet fighter, and I'm like, wait a second, no, I read about this. I don't. I was too young. It happened in 1983, right? Yeah. So I, I would have been three. I was not cognizant of it at that point. Um, but it was definitely something that I, I was only, I was more recently aware of, having like looked at the history of it and like knowing that it was a real thing. Um, and it's funny too because it's. It's juxtaposed in here with something else that is a major memory of my childhood that does not happen in this timeline, <laughs> which is uh, they talk about uh, we'll get there, but they talk about the Challenger, uh, where right. basically the thing that would have caused the Challenger explosion, which was caught yes. in this timeline, which is to me one of my earliest sort of formative memories is remembering the coverage around that. Yeah, my wife said to me, um, 
they got to have Challenger, right? Unless they unless they caught that problem and fixed it, and then like this episode happens, and you're like, oh, there it is. Like they caught that problem and fixed it in this timeline. Um, but KAL 07, like that really happened. A Soviet uh, jet fighter shot down a civilian passenger de- jet, and there was a lot of, and it did stray into Russian airspace. And there was a real question about whether perhaps it was actually being used as a spy mission which they said no that's ridiculous because if we used if we used civilian planes for spy missions this would happen right like all all bets are off yeah (laughs) but uh but all that conversation kind of goes in there so a thing that seems like it would be this alternate cold war timeline event that's a real event that really happened and in this and it's true they they say that a congressman um died on the plane as well as mm-hmm. pain yeah. the congressman did die on the plane that's also real there was a congressman on the plane so in this case pain who was a real historical figure um and now we see doesn't need to be used <laughs> anymore so he just got to be in there for a little moment and i immediately my response is first off first off it's oh um ellen getting the call about her dad having a heart attack is actually that story you hear people tell where they had the, the you know there but for the grace of god go i right, where they sure. would have been on the plane that crashed or in this case was shot down except something happened and that you know and they they basically uh, were this close to being uh, being killed uh, but also i had you know immediately was like oh they're going to make Ellen be the NASA administrator now. She's got the, mm-hmm, she's going to mm-hmm. run off with Pam. She's going to come out. She's going to live her life. And, and now it, she's going to have like all of this stuff pile on her. And that certainly seems to be where it's heading, given that Ronald Reagan calls and gives her a pep talk, uh, which is also that I always love those moments where it's like, um, uh, please hold for the president. Yes, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it felt very West, West Wing in that moment. Yeah. The president um, of what? The yeah. United States, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, I, oh I was curious to know how much. I mean, clearly, a lot of the stuff, the uh, footage used in this episode is from the actual incident, right? Yeah. They've got Brokaw talking at one point, Dan and they've got the president, and then my favorite, Senator Jimmy Carter. Okay, uh, <laughs> Senator, yes, yeah, Senator Jimmy Carter, which is such a great little moment because Carter didn't get elected; he didn't even uh, get the nomination, I mean, right? It was right. Reagan yes, won, Ken- run in '76 yeah. and beat Ted Kennedy. Yep, and Reagan is coming to the end of his term so it went nixon to kennedy to reagan right. and, and and reagan carter, re-elected carter had been the governor yeah not so the, he, right so he, so had he run became for senate, clearly, he, run, instead. He, yeah. he ran for senate um and i imagine i don't know this for certain but my guess is that footage of carter is him condemning the soviet invasion of afghanistan in 1980 mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. 79 or whenever that happened and then they boycotted the 80 olympics so my that's my guess is what that footage is from is a different historic event so it's not really doctored other than the label that right. says it's Context. senator jimmy carter yeah. but that's a nice nice little point and, and uh uh ellen is talking to senator tower um mm. who's a real guy the tower commission like the real guy um she's on the phone a lot and and this is you know and, and then we get the scene with ellen with, with the with her dad, you know, which has got weighed down with like it's their relationship, but also she, he asks about Larry, and so there's uh, you Asked know for grandkids, and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and of course the uh, the astronauts are stuck in Star City as we saw at the end of the last episode, which leads to that moment where um, where Margot is going to go talk to Sergey, 
who's being held under guard and the guards like uh move along honey yeah. and she's she she says uh, i'll give you a minute you know i'll give you 30 seconds for this i'll she, give you a minute to call allots, your yeah, allots his time for yeah. him which is great or, uh, or and manages, let me in. <laughs> right and manages to get in and then has like you know we talked about this a little bit last week to the uh, back channels right yeah like like and i love this aspect of it right because there's this again there's this um mirror image verse right because sergey is locked in a hotel with no phone it's yep. dead but it's it's really a very nice hotel clearly whereas danielle is locked in this really gritty dormitory very eastern european soviet block dormitory yep. um and she also has no phone but like literally nobody is coming to talk to her either until like she gets a visit um and so having that sort of in juxtaposition with each other they're very similar scenes, but they have very different readings, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's fascinating, the, the sort of two ends of this crisis. And then basically, you know, Ellen kind of in the middle. And she does... By the way, I should, I should say that there is a great moment where they take the time with Ellen and Pam, uh, where she, Ellen's very apologetic and she's super stressed. And, and Pam uh, gives her support and you also see that Ellen is going through the whole, like, I could have died on that plane. She's not just mm-hmm. kind of grieving for pain, but uh, came so close. And Pam says, you know, you're here, you're alive with me. Focus on that. It's like, focus on the moment. And that, that's when Ronald Reagan calls. So, you know, but it, it's a it's a it's a nice moment. And Ellen throughout this episode, right? Like, um, Ellen has to deal with this because she's thrown into this. So she's got to... Um, She's got a scene later that is um, about uh, basically retaking, moving up the retaking of the site at the yeah. South Pole of of the moon. And, you know, the military is swooping in here and it could be the end of NASA as we know it. So she's sort of playing a role in trying to na- do what Payne did, which is the difficult act of navigating um, the politics right, of right. this situation. And so she makes, these were my recommendations, she says to Margot, and they're aghast. It's like, this is the military taking over. And we know from watching this that it's like, she's, what she's trying to do is prevent the military yeah, from she's, taking she's over. She's doing it, she is doing this because if if she does not do it, it will be done to them. Exactly. And she is maintaining the fact that NASA is at least autonomous and is making its own decisions and it won't just become a branch of the Department of Defense because this is sort of the, the real risk here right is that space gets militarized and they just sort of get sucked into the dod and, and that's they the end are of NASA. You know, that's the end of space flight right like they're not going to mars they're not going to do exploration right. um yeah and so i i love that scene because it is <laughs> it is chilling when she says that to margo and molly and everybody else like no i told the president you know this is my this recommendation was my and i knew that was coming right because she she's yep, going along absolutely. with them like she, she <laughs> we're totally going to get that this was my call moment right where and and she says and she hangs a lantern again this is dialogue obviously this season was very well constructed this is something that tom Payne told her in that scene earlier that has now come back which is we all play different roles and she realizes that she needs to play this role as nasa administrator uh which is not necessarily even advocating for what she would choose to do, but to, it's the art of the possible, right? Like she, she needs to walk that line so that she retains control of NASA and right. it remains a civilian organization. Uh, because the, if they, if she doesn't, 
if she doesn't make this move, they are going to lose their autonomy and never get it so, back. Uh, it's the long-term strategy. It's realizing yeah. that in order to get all the things they want in the long-term Mars well, and all it, yeah, that it's stuff. Pain, it's pain delaying the Mars stuff and her being frustrated and him explaining to her, well, no... You know, the only way, essentially, the only way we get to Mars is if I make these agreements. And I know it's frustrating, but like, I'm actually not trying to stop us from getting there. I'm making counterintuitive moves from your perspective, but my goal is to get us there. It's just you don't understand why I have to do what I'm doing. It's, you know, it's very well set up and it puts Ellen. I mean, I really feel for Ellen too, because like, she's fresh off being an astronaut. She, she's really once has committed, and I believe she believes it, has committed to getting out of nasa and being with pam this is the thing that she needs to do she's happy with pam and then all of a sudden she's thrust into this role that she basically can't not accept to run nasa right. uh as acting administrator because pain has died and and, and that's out of so if she and if she does patriotic who, who obligation will, and right? she told the president she'd do it she is yeah. thinking about tom Paine who died and what he would want and yet it is in completely the opposite of what she wants to do with her life <laughs> Right. I mean, and she she fundamentally knows that if she doesn't do this, the person who's going to whoever ends up with that job is not going to be able to basically, you know, stave off the tide there. Like she is the only person in that position who is able to actually walk that line because, you know, she's been she's been somewhat prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like, yeah, her 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 stuff in this episode is fantastic. Um, I, I also particularly like. There's a fascinating dynamic going on there between her and Pam with Larry kind of hovering in the background where Pam comes in. Well, you know, she's trying to like, you know, doing all her deal making with the senators on the phone um, and Larry's kind of helping. Right. Because he knows some of the ins and the outs. So he's he's suggesting, oh, you got to you got to ask for this much money. You got to talk to this person. Um, And, you know, you clearly see the fact that these two, even if they're not in a you know, uh, a traditional marriage, as it were, they've been partners for the last decade. And so they kind of play off each other. And there's a really nice scene later on where they're both up at the middle of the night. And Larry's kind of given some advice on how she has to play this or like, you know, things right. to think about, etc. And I love that dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, agree. And And meanwhile, it shows the, there's some strain with Pam too, right? Like she feels like an outsider we see the scene where she comes in she's got flowers and she's like there to be sympathetic and like lend an ear and you kind of see her falter a bit when she sees them in like in this like game mode right as it were um as they're working the phones and she's she's in she's strained a bit too when she's talking about like she you know ellen's on the phone all the time and she's you know even though pam's there for her pam is starting to feel like you know you get that sense of like is this um, what I signed up yeah, for? Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, right. And, and, and do I love this woman so much that, like, I understand this is her life and this is, you know, what I need to do is be here for her? It's unclear. She's having that doubt, though, it seems. Right. Because this, this is what happened the last time. Right. Mm-hmm. And she decided that she couldn't go on that way. And Ellen said, no, it'll be different this time. And it's not Ellen's fault that it's gone this way, but it yep. is the events are pushing them apart. And so what? You know what happens next. She's not blaming Ellen, but I think she has a lot of trepidation about what's going on. And yeah, I mean, Larry is basically her work husband. In addition to being mm-hmm. her beard, you know, she is her work. Like he's in aerospace and worked at NASA, and like gets the work part. And Pam is a poet, right? So right, exactly. It, 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 you know, that's a way where she's on the outside of the relationship between Ellen and Larry, which is a, again another really interesting little character dynamic. Um. 
Okay, uh, I want to talk about some of the uh, Margot-related stuff, I guess. Let's go there. Um, there's so much in this episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so the general brings spy photos of the Baron space shuttle from Sakhalin Island to Marco and says it may be armed. They used blueprints stolen from us to build basically a duplicate space shuttle. By the way, again, for listeners who don't know space history, this is entirely true. They did have a space shuttle program. They had a shuttle called Baron. It flew once without anybody on it. It was a knockoff of our space shuttle. In this scene, however, um, Margo points out based on the on on the design that we know the blueprints that we've got of of Baron and its launch system that they have not addressed the o-ring problem that caused the challenger disaster in our universe and the general basically says well you know you can't tell them she's like but they're going to people are going to die and yeah. he's like well too bad they're the soviet union they're the bad yeah. guys you can't you can't do that, which leads to that. He's scene. got this whole uh, this. There's they've got smart people too. I'm sure they'll figure, oh, they'll it, figure out. it out. Yeah. yeah, and that leads to a scene where Margot basically goes to Sergey and does one of those shake hands, and you're going back, and it's great, great to see you again, and uh, and then just sort of mentions, tries to mention offhandedly, oh yeah, you know, you, it might be good for for you to take a step back. Uh, you know, you never know if you overlooked something. That happened to us. Uh, we had this whole O-ring problem in cold weather. And, you know, it's even... It's so, yeah, that's a story. Anyway, see you later. Right? Where she's... I love... Yeah. I absolutely love the scene. And it's because <laughs> I love the... She's trying to figure out how to walk this line. And she yeah. eventually just sort of takes the gutsy move of, like, I am just going to say it and trust, essentially, that neither the Marine standing outside the door... Or the KGB minder, you know, watching Sergey are going to pick up on what I just did, right. right? Like, and it's 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 the hiding it in plain sight. Yeah. And I think it's just a great move. Like, she could have tried right. to slip oh, him a note funny, or something. No, and but, it says, like, oh, funny story. Let me tell you this story. anecdote that is sort of related to the problem that you also are facing right now. Anyway, see you later, right? Like, it's 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 not expertly done right but it may be effectively done in yes that she just slides it into conversations i'm not telling you to do this i'm just telling you a story about what we did right. looks it's, it's catching it it's, <laughs> it's catching it in the hypothetical allegedly yeah. Yeah. Well, or it's a little it's like an anecdote that that is like oh related anecdote where i'm going to give you this information that's very important um yeah it's good and that's it's interesting to see margo doing that and the relationship between margo and sergey obviously she took she took him to or or led him to her secret jazz club and so mm -hmm. she obviously there is a level of connection and trust that the two of them have um and and you can see that uh in in this scene too that she she really does and and this is again she's a civilian this is also the talk about your various dichotomies in this season and in this episode it is the question of what is space for like i i do believe right down to the posters uh for this season that are the astronauts with rifles right mm -hmm. um the whole theme of this is military versus civilian because NASA, although populated with a lot of military, ex-military or retired military people, is a civilian operation. It is not military. And this season is exploring the stress of those two sides of space here, which is civilian and military. And, and Margot and Sergei, even though there is military conflict brewing with the Soviet Union, Margot 
views herself as an operator of a civilian agency. And for her, the Russian space shuttle blowing up is a tragedy that was preventable and people will die. From the general's perspective, they're our enemy. It would weaken them and therefore we shouldn't tell them. And and a lot of this has to do building on last week's, you know, episode with the trust, um, right? Because the whole thing is she's trying to get Sergey to use his own back channels so they can get in touch with Danielle right. and the other astronauts at Star City. And she, you know, essentially what we can tell, as far as we can tell, that kind of works, right? Like he comes through for that. And so that's part of the other reason where I think to a certain extent she feels also indebted to the fact that he is helped make this happen or at least tried in good faith to get them in touch with the astronauts and also feels like right he did us a good turn how could i not right like how could i not help him avert a tragedy because we've established this mutual level of trust um and and again against the backdrop of the cold war you know it's the the trust of the individual over the the institution or the system and I think, you know, that's sort of where we come into play where it comes over to the like the, the, the sort of, uh, you know, <laughs> a global, you know, conflict that we've, we're embarking on in between the U.S. and the USSR here is it's a, you know, fundamentally, as all wars are, it's a war fought by governments, not necessarily a war fought by the people on the, the front lines who are who are closer to each other in terms of their <laughs> what they're shoot, what they're aiming for. Yeah, yeah, Um Let's. There's one more scene I wanted to I wanted to talk about that's sort of Margot direct related, which is um, with Alita, and there's all sort of mixed together. Alita. Okay. By the way, this is our third visit to the vending machine of fate. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else is into the vending machine, but I am into the vending machine. I, like, oh man, I see those Tato skins, and I think about how I know. great. Oh man love those potato skins where are the funyuns um they may be in there the it's all old snacks from the 80s right it's amazing mm-hmm. uh whoever art directed that just bravo um so she's she's got the stuck problem and Margot is like you got to use the negative pressure and she's like oh that's really clever and Margot's super hyped because they've reached the astronauts in star city um and uh, and there's like a mentoring moment where she's given the opportunity to mentor Alita, who's complaining about her boss he's the biggest jerk of all time and she says look he's harmless don't worry about it and then makes what i would call a human resources error (laughs) which is let me tell my junior person who's having trouble with their boss a horrible embarrassing story about their boss because it's not like alita has a whole history of of uh acting making bad decisions or anything but like yeah let me tell you about that time that he peed his pants at his console so you know just get along with him better and it's one of those moments where like a bonding like margo i think it's a real human thing to do right where margo is trying to bond with alita she's not really really great at this but she's trying very hard and in the end in order to make in order to make a connection with alita she uh sells somebody else out and and that that's a human thing to do but it has you know a lot of ramifications because she's just given alita uh, this terrible story about her boss, which, you know, come on, like, you think Alita's going to be like, I'll never, I'll never mention it again. Yeah. No, like, yeah, she's not this the is most bad. Uh, reserved this is going to go, this is going to go bad. Yeah. I think that's a, um, yeah, I can, again, I agree with you. It totally, Margot points out how like a lot of the people here, you know, they're brilliant, but they sometimes lack in like the social graces or whatever. And that's kind of what you're running up against is, you know, these people who are very, 
you know, set in their ways to a certain extent and so are resistant to sort of, you know, potentially hearing new ideas or whatever. But like also they've been here a long time, so they kind of know what they're doing and you need to respect that. But yeah, it's it's tough. I think anytime when you want to try to bond with somebody and like I can understand the the idea of bonding over perhaps a mutual dislike i've definitely had people that i've bonded with over our dislike of say another person of course um and it's tough though right because i think it sometimes poisons the the bond that you're creating right because it's it's fundamentally built on uh this this negative feeling of somebody else and i and it's definitely a bad move when you're the boss that's Uh for sure yeah so that's that's exactly it yeah and i i think Margot, her relationship with Aleda is so complicated because of the fact that I think, like like she mentioned earlier on in the season, she feels she feels her own guilt, a lot of guilt about there. letting her down, right? A lot like, of guilt and so there. she's trying to. She's already sort of gotten Aleda in the door, even though she's brilliant, right? She just needed a hand to get in the door, and she's she's got a vested interest in keeping her there, not just because she's clearly a great engineer, but also because she feels bad about the the mistakes that she made in the past so mm-hmm. i i think that's I, I agree with you it's a human moment but it's a we've, we've talked about a lot of bad decisions that people have made in this show this season uh and um most of the time they seem to come back around and to, to bite them so <laughs> yeah we'll see how this plays out no, not 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 great not a great uh, manager moment there but uh she's trying i appreciate that but she's she's not it's not great. Um, okay, let's talk about Danielle, who is who's trapped in, in Star City. And it, again, I feel like we talked about with the Soviet episode last time how many great scenes there were. But this scene... Um, so she's, she's locked in and it's awful, like you said. And uh, then there's a knock on the door and a man comes in and he says, I am an engineer and he's got drinks and, and he's like, sit down. And cause she's like, you got to let me out of here. And he's like, yeah, you know, take it easy. Um, and they have their conversation and she's like, Oh, you know, I'm in prison here. He's like, uh, you, you don't know prison <laughs> you, you don't know from prison. Being in the gulag is terrible. Now this character is, is credited as Russian chief engineer i think something like that so sergey korolev was the mastermind of the russian space program and he had a heart attack and died in the early 60s and was sort of locked in a in a, a power struggle with other people he was the mastermind of all the kind of early success i'm uh, we're, we're still very unclear on what the point of divergence is that leads the soviets to get to the moon in the for all mankind timeline and sergey korolev is way too old to be this guy but whoever this guy is, is the guy who took over from Sergei Korolev, more or less. Because although it's not said, this is the guy in charge of the Soviet space program, right? Like, this is the guy. This is the guy. He is, I'm just a, oh, just a simple engineer. Yeah, he's the guy, I think. That's what I think. I don't know for I, sure. Uh, but I think he's the guy. And he's here. I, and, he, and he says... And part of the reason I think that is because he says, like, let me tell you my story about being in the gulag, which is a Sergei Korolev story, by the way. Like, literally, that is lifted from Korolev's history. He was sent to the gulag and then brought back to run the space program. Mm. And he, like, lost his teeth and he was malnourished. It's just so terrible. It's such a terrible story. So, um, whoever, the, and the names on the door are the Russian cosmonauts, and, and you could read it. But, like, if you if you missed that, in the For All Mankind 
universe those are the names of the first man and woman in space and the first man and woman on the moon that are carved into the back of that right. door right yeah i re- i saw gagarin immediately and and recognized that one i didn't know the other yeah it's gagarin uh, teroskova uh yeah. alexa leonoff Leon- and i forget Leonova. the name of the woman who and en- who ends up being the first woman on the moon but it's all from yeah. season one basically early on we get those names right yeah, I, I thought this was a good scene. I, I wondered a little bit when the guy first appears, like, yeah, I kind of had the moment of wondering if it's uh, if it was a KGB or not, right? Like, because he, he's dressed in the suit and he's kind of mysterious. And you're like, oh, man, is this like, is this the intelligence apparatus come from? And I, I think, you know, I came around to believing he was, in fact, an engineer. But it does. I think he's you know, Sergei's uh, boss. <laughs> right. Everything is... <laughs> Yeah, everything is very the the environment is so different, right? right? Everything is is obfuscated. Everything is hidden. Everything no one gives away any more information than they have to, and that includes like what's my name, you know? Oh yeah, um, just an and, just a simple uh, engineer, I, just a simple I love, tailor. <laughs> I like their back and forth because so there's a couple of things that they're, they're interesting plays on stuff that we saw earlier in the season he asks danielle why she got into the space program which is a story that she told at length to the cosmonauts right and they didn't have the return story right they were just like oh, i got i was told to go to space program you know uh and here she is a little bit more closed-mouthed about it until he convinces her to sort of open up a bit um and I thought that was because he asked if she's like she was a parachutist, right? And she's like, no, I just I, you know, wanted to fly. That's kind of my my deal. Um, and it's all very you know couched in um, you know the <laughs> vagueness, mm-hmm. right? A lot of this conversation, but it's this Cold War I think cryptic, it, right? <laughs> exactly. It. And like there are a few things that stood out to me, right? Like he tells the story about the flag. Um, Right about the design, like making sure the flag would be far enough away. Right, it doesn't get lander. blown over. It doesn't get blown over. And then he talks about how big a deal it is. Right, how there are grown men in the Soviet Union today who still tear up at the idea of that flag still standing right on the moon. Uh, and so you get a glimpse into like what is this? What is the opposite side like? Right, you know, filter through a lens, obviously. But. Yeah, but this is this is a, some of the best stuff we've gotten since I've been, especially so curious about the Soviet Union in this timeline. This is an interesting idea that like the moon landing also gave the Soviet Union a shot in the arm that it didn't have in mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. among the litany of things that went wrong in the Soviet Union them being beaten to the moon by the u.s is one of them and here they're not they're emboldened to continue um and and so that we get a little bit of a view in in here from that yeah and i like that and i like there's a moment you know where uh danielle uh, they take the vodka and he yep. does the toast to the fallen comrades yeah and yeah. and he's like ah you know our customs yeah. you know <laughs> and says she had a good teacher um and i i liked that interchange right there's the, what's nice about this and what i think eventually disabused me of the whole kgb theory was mainly just the respect that i feel like he shows her here like he's you know he's clearly somebody who's very senior and has that p- position for a long time but like He's not there to threaten her, really. He's not there to demean or belittle no. her. He's, in fact, if anything, the opposite, right? Like, the, the parting advice he gives her is, when you walk out that door, and the implication being, you will, right? Yes. Like, this is gonna this do, is gonna happen. Do it with your head your, Yeah, do it with your head held high, because, you know, you stayed in, you were in this environment, right, that it was like, you know, home to these other legends of the, the Soviet space program. You are, you know, a significant person in your own right uh so yeah you know right and then remember the, that he leaves and the phone rings and it's molly right 
So like right right there, like obviously this is his little chance to talk to her and then they're gonna let them talk to the the people back in the US. So Yeah. Right. Uh, and then we only see her very briefly in the in the meanwhile on the moon segment at the end. We do get also we we get one scene, uh, one shot, and it's uh, Danny leaving that room, uh, and has she has carved her name on yep. the door. So I think we all predicted. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as we saw, because he leaves her the knife, right? Yes, like, that's he leaves the other her thing. the knife. It's a great scene. That's beautiful, right? Which has a, an almost sinister scene for a minute. Uh-huh. Like, oh no, don't commit suicide. Don't don't stab yourself with the knife. Just I just may carve your name into the door. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, before we get to Meanwhile on the Moon and the the ratcheting up of the plot for the rest of the season, uh, we need to talk about uh, the Baldwins. Um, mm. oh, must must we? A lot of this is going to be super painful. I will say uh, one thing uh, that happens in this episode that uh, that we can just knock off really quickly here is Kelly. Um, Kelly is investigating her. Uh, history her adoption history and discovers that her mother died in childbirth but via apple 2 d-mail discovers Which is, I, as i theorized earlier in the season defense. is apparently defense yeah department it's basically darpa you know arpanet became the internet but kind of differently and d-mail uh is a thing that uh that she has uh she has a father who's uh who's close lives in texas mm. yeah i um but that's all we get yeah that's all we get i think it's interesting though right because this is something she's clearly keeping it from her parents right she gets her like uh her Packet. package and she hides it and takes it to her room i take it back ed does have a line he's making bean sandwiches that is the biggest thing he does in this episode yep um well but, yeah he does one other yeah. thing in this episode that's true that's fair um but it's uh yeah it's an interesting we're going down an interesting road here i did not think that was the road that we were necessarily going to go down but i i think it it makes perfect sense based on kind of where we were last week or two weeks ago i remember when when we sort of lost last saw her uh getting interested in why her parents adopted her um you know right. we, we start to learn a little bit more and also i think it's implied so her father was kind of attached to the military basically as like a it looked like a sort of a local you know translator or right. guide or something like that and was one of the people that they presumably got out but, right but her mother exactly. died in yes. childbirth yes and then and then so they gave it the baby to the adoption group and now she's she's our kelly um yeah i think it's fascinating based on what we're about to talk about too we had that big cathartic moment with the baldwins um and and then we have Ed uh, having to eject out of his plane. And it's fascinating to see that instead of that being one of those, well, we had our cathartic moment, everything's fine. <laughs> it's more like, well, it's great that we had the cathartic moment, but everybody is not fine. And, and and maybe I would argue Kelly is is coming at this from a place of maybe even confidence in herself, that that she's confident with her parents caring about her. Um, and And so it's not a big deal or it's not as it's not a repudiation of them to find out about her biological family right, right. I, I think that sure. that would be the argument i would make is that is that maybe she's able to do this because she feels more comfortable uh in, with her place in in the family uh but i guess remains to be seen uh but it's interesting because you know everything else especially after ed's uh incident um is is out of whack and and of course we're we're talking <sighs> about everything else that happens in this episode with Karen. 
So <laughs> which yeah. So sometimes Sadly. sometimes this show surprises you and other times you say to the show as we said I think last week show don't do you're this. You're not you're not doing what you're obviously telegraphing here are you? Um and and it, it is and but before before that uh Karen sells the bar to Sam Sam yeah for $390,000 which I think is fascinating right cuz that's a huge decision that she just makes kind of on the spur of the moment but it says something about her her frame of mind that like karen is ready for something different karen is searching karen is not in a good place she she doesn't want to be doing what she's doing now whatever she's done for the last 10 years whatever her motivation which i would say is at least for me, it feels kind of opaque about why she's feeling all yeah. the way she is. She's not like she's telling anybody, like, here's what I'm feeling we, right we now. We haven't gotten a lot of insight into it, right? Like, no. we talked about her, you know, some of her experiences we saw in season one with Ed being on the moon and, of course, with losing Shane. Uh, but, and now she's, you know, we had, the, as you said, the cathartic moment where Kelly wanted to join the Naval Academy and then Ed had to eject and all of this. And she's feeling kind of... It seems like she's feeling kind of adrift more than anything, yes, right? Yes. So she she's like she found after Shane died, she sort of found something that she was going to do, and she got the bar, and she ran the bar, and all of that. But um, let's also not forget her daughter is going to move away, and then there'll be empty yep. nesters. So that's also something that's well, impending and, and, in their lives. And Ed is going to and, space again. And Ed which, is going to go which, to space again. So what happens yeah, which, to her? Yeah, if right. I had to theorize, I think that would be the thing is Kelly's got a trajectory. Ed's got a trajectory. What is Karen's trajectory? And the answer is there isn't one. And so I think that's probably playing into this, too. So she sells the bar on a whim, essentially, to Sam for more money than she expected. She does a really nice kind of bargaining uh, thing with him. So hi, Sam. Good to see you again. And uh, and then there's the other part, which is the super awkward, you know, Danny... <laughs> Gordo and Tracy's son, older son who is in the academy and he's been working at the bar and there's been a little bit of like tension there. And we're like, you're not going to do this, are you, show? And the answer is uh, he. they totally are. Uh, summer's already over. He's going to be going back to the academy. Uh, he plays the, the Billy Swan cover of Don't Be Cruel. This is hearkening back to her, he, him watching her dance to Elvis that one time uh, when he came in and she was dancing to Elvis when he was a kid. It is, he put it in the jukebox. It seems like a total super setup to me, if you ask me. Yep. And, you know, as my notes say, you're really going to do this show, sigh. And she kisses Danny and there is a moment where a uh, a a mom is kissing the slightly grown up friend of her dead son mm-hmm. that she knew as a little kid, the son of her friends, and it's uh, just such. Oof. Again, I was reminded of our conversation about in episode two, I think, about uh, the bad decisions that Ed makes, and we're like, yes. okay. This is not necessarily the show making a bad creative decision. It's the show allowing a character to make a bad decision. I'm a little more on the fence about whether this is the show making a bad decision or just the show being confident enough to allow a character to make a terrible decision. But boy, it's a terrible decision. Yeah, and, it really is. And, yeah. uh, and I think I maybe would have been less... Uh, maybe I would have accepted it more if it didn't feel so 
almost forced and telegraphed. Like if it was more well, of a surprise, yeah. it was like, whoa, what is she doing? I might have, re- but I've seen this coming for two episodes now. And then it's like, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? But I am fighting right, my feeling like, because my other feeling is just like, I don't want this to happen. And like, that's not, I don't get to say that the show gets to decide what happens yeah. here. I don't get to decide. I think the, yeah, it does feel a little more soapy for lack of a better word yeah. as a decision. Oh, all, um, all men and women who have conversations that are somewhat close to one another are probably going well, to get together, right? Like that's and the especially TV rule. kind TV. of riding. Yes. They're kind of riding that line too, where it's like, when we talked about this the other week and I mentioned like, Oh yeah, it kind of seemed like they were going this direction. We had the episode several weeks ago where they like share the, you know, the pot outside yep. the back of the bar one night. And I'm like, that's weird. It's just a weird relationship. And I managed to convince myself like, Oh, maybe it's just their relationship with Shane and kind of his surrogate mother. I'm like, Oh God, now I really wish we hadn't gone down that path because now it's just way weirder. Um, I don't know. I I think the quite the big question for me is how this eventually plays out because there is a way in which I feel like, okay, maybe this is Karen and she'll like kind of, you know, as she seems to hear, right. She basically, she, she goes home and then sleeps with Ed. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I, I was going to say, you know, talking about what is Karen's frame of mind here, like, obviously, what happens at the bar super turns her on and she has enough of an override to say, no, this is really bad. We're just going to need I need to go. Um, but it's, you know, that it's still obvi- not doesn't feel good no no and i would say again it obviously turns her on to the point that she comes home and she's like i gotta have sex right now (laughs) like with ed and again in addition to the the bean sandwich this is the other thing ed does in this episode (laughs) is have sex with his wife um and uh but yeah it's it's one of those i would say kind of joyless pain painful moments of what is going on inside her head yeah yeah, and I don't I don't know. That's the thing, right? Like it kind of depends what her as we just said, her trajectory ends up being because if this is a mistake and it's a thing where it like kind of gets her head set on Let straight, us never right? speak of it again. <laughs> exactly. Then then that feels like okay, that makes sense, but if it's something that ends up becoming m- more of a plot line then I am not sure mm. what we're trying to say here. And I think yeah. You know, again, it depends how you played out this feels like the beginning of a plot or like the middle of a plot arc so maybe on the down slope there's something to be said but it is it feels risky and a little off yeah you know and and again i am grappling with my feelings about not about liking karen and not wanting her to do do bad things right like yeah i i like the character and this feels like a huge mistake um, I'm also sympathetic to the character, and it seems like she is deeply troubled and does not know what she's doing with her life. And and so I'm concerned, and this is like a way of doing it. I guess my struggle is, do I—it's what I said before—do I blame the show for this because of how it's executed, which is it feels soapy, it feels telegraphed, it feels— like the um, law of the conservation of relationships, I guess, right? Which is like, right. like I said, you have a man and a woman, and they're and they're sitting together having an intimate moment of like talk, and that's TV code for well, they're totally gonna hook up because uh, men and women, and, uh, or, or or anyone anybody who's in a potential romantic partner for somebody else, then inevitably that will happen, and that's I don't like that because I think that's super lazy, and and so I guess what I'm saying is. I dislike Karen doing this, but I can't tell how much of that is that is empathy for the characters of the show and how much of it is my dislike for how the show 
did it. And I, I can't right. pick that and, apart. And my biggest sort of, or my, you know, you're talking about the, you know, the, the relationships between men and women here. And, and kind of what I wish is that we had seen maybe more interaction between Karen and Wayne this season. We only got like right. so far one, one episode. And it's like that, that relationship was built up so well. It felt like maybe that could have been a great, a great relationship uh, yeah, between two a, married people where there, there is not a romantic moment there. They are just pals. And I love right. that about it. And it could have been a venue for maybe exploring some of what Karen was dealing with in a way that, you know, would still be a challenging and dramatic and all of that, but without necessarily um, requiring us to go down this particular path. Oh but again, I, you know, I don't know. I'm with you. It's hard to separate the like, this is a super uncomfortable decision that she has made from there is this is a drama and there's going to be conflict and tension and we're going to you know make choices and, yeah. and these choices will lead places that hopefully will provide some sort of greater insight into these characters yeah yeah not not i don't love it but the, it, there it is i don't get to say i don't get to vote uh meanwhile on the moon <laughs> we're there on now the moon. so uh so tracy needs to fly the lsam because um they're, the rookie guy is just not good enough yet, and they've had this timeline moved up to take the take their stuff back from their bad roommate, the Soviets, yep. who took their stuff away from them. And, you know, there's a shot of Ronald Reagan with Ellen standing in the background. It's a yeah. real Zelig, <laughs> Forrest Gump kind I, of moment. I, enjoy, I enjoyed that. I thought I, it was thought great. It was good. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and we are left with lock and load. They are loading up the LSAM. Uh Tracy is going to do this. So basically, she's uh, she's flying a combat mission, even though she's not supposed to, because she's very capable. Which, by the way, I love that progression, right? Because she was she was messing up and that close to being reported. And we have her moment where she sort of arrogantly says, oh, I can fly this thing. And it turns out that she can't. And we we see again, as she earned it in that one episode, we we progress to the point now where they're like, no, we need you because you're really good at this. And our guy sucks. So you need to do this. And it it leads to a moment that I actually... it's disturbing, right? Because they're yep. they're launching a military assault on uh, on the Soviet uh, occupied part of of the moon here, and also by by going doing the ride of the Valkyries, you are specifically referencing Apocalypse Now. The characters are referencing Apocalypse Now, which is fascinating because you know it doesn't go well in Apocalypse Now. I don't know if you know it's, this, but uh, yeah. Ap- Apocalypse, Apocalypse now, now is not like a happy go lucky no. war film. <laughs> no, so when you like, it's just like dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. Well, that's great, but uh, what I thought was but it fascinating is also about this scene. kind of charming in a way that they're doing that they're all singing along what, as they zip along. What is fascinating about it is it's a callback to the first episode where they're all singing the Bob Marley song, which yeah. is a very different vibe as yeah. they're waiting for. Oh, we're all happy the dancing as the sun comes the up, good and all of a sudden it's like, "Yep." Now they're instead gone. we are we are we are pulling a <laughs> pulling a Robert Duvall, and I then mean, like, and then in another case where I feel like it definitely here the show is. I think the show is so smart. I, I just went all that trouble about how I feel about about the Karen stuff. But like, this is a case where the show is so smart at what it does. So they land, and there are the two Russians there, and they basically and there's these guys with guns, and the Russians run away in slow motion because it's the moon. In slow motion because it's the moon. <laughs> as I fought the law, 
plays, right? right? Oh, God, which what is a great... so. So here's the thing: that is brilliant because it's exactly the fist pumping thing of like, haha, take that, Soviets. We showed you. You're out of here, USA, USA. It's exactly the note that you play for that feeling. But on this show, you play that note, and you're like, oh, this can't last. This is bad, right? Like, it's so good and so, like, America, F, yeah, this is going to be the best. We win. Take that. Suck at Soviets, right? Like, all of that is, I feel like, in that I fought the law uh, music usage there, it was like, but on this show, there's a cloud over yeah. it, right? Because on this it's, show, it's, it's like, it's, I think this is the pride going before the fall. And I love right. it that it's so sophisticated feels, that it can do that. Yeah, I love it. it's the it's the irony of it, right? Like, yeah. it's the dramatic irony understating the like, yeah, it seems great and rah-rah and everything. But, but like, we've just set off is, a chain of events that we may not right. be able to it, control. And yeah. it's also the recognition that you're watching a TV show that has like a certain vibe. Like, we know that right. this is a TV show that is a quote-unquote for lack of a better term it's serious right it's like a there's drama there's drama stakes. yeah exactly whereas this feels like a clip out of an action movie exactly. where it's like yeah we roll in on our cool spaceship and we got our white m16s and right? we're we're taking out the ruskies uh-huh. and you're like this can no this is gonna go badly this yeah, is a I don't bad have time decision. to die I, right, right yeah. it's the it's all ain't got time to die it's, it's like an 80s action movie happening here and that's the unsettling part of it which i think is just brilliant right because you can on one level appreciate the excitement of this but what we know from reality is you know violence begets consequences and armed uh astronauts just kicked two russians out of yeah. their base and you it's not going to go without consequences right. it, despite your fist pumping the door has been opened to military conflict in space and on the moon it is now basically officially a battleground right like yeah. in the same way that panama is used kind of here as like the proxy war is happening in panama right like the moon is now a proxy war site essentially for this conflict and in fact in some ways the most direct conflict since it puts them up against each other rather than in you know like working through different governments etc so yeah this is you, the, the genie's not going back in the bottle after you've done this like you you started this yeah well they started it. We'll see what happens next week when it will continue because there's three more episodes to go. Uh, anything we have not talked about? I feel like we there was a lot in here. I feel like we covered it really well. But is there anything you'd like to say before we, we wrap, Dan? Anything we didn't cover? I think, I mean, yeah, like you said, we kind of went over all the plot lines this week. And there is a lot. Um, there's a lot. I was sad to see pain go because i feel like what's great that character ended up being a character that you felt like as we talked about in previous episodes he's a stuffed shirt he's a politician he doesn't care about it and then we slowly learned a lot about him until you came to really like him right like by that time you're like oh well now that you like him our job is done and we have to (laughs) kill him off (laughs) sorry don't get attached um but it was a shame too and I, i like at least that ellen her move into the administrator role is like honoring him like she got to see that side of him which i think she and margo were probably the only two people who could kind of like knew what he was really about um or at least saw that face that he presented right like he saw maybe beneath the mask even um and she wants to honor that aspect of it in in addition to it being aligned kind of with what she wants to do you know she she liked him she considered him a friend and uh, as did reagan apparently yeah (laughs) um 
And I like, I, I thought that was a nice, a nice, uh, you know, moment, uh, if a sad send off for a character that I'd actually thought they did an, a wonderful job of fleshing out as the season went along. Yep. Agreed. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. What next for this show? Um, but until then, um, I'm going to carve my name in the back of this door. I've been Jason Snell. He's been Dan Moore, and we'll see you in space in a week. <laughs> <laughs>